1: From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio. We talk about everything you think about but are afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will talk about it for you on It's Time. This is No Holes Barred Radio, and we are here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, how are you? Great week, but I have to get past you because we have a very special guest. This is going to be a strong show. We're going to talk about some strong topics and things that need to be discussed. We're here with my special guest, Sheriff Alex Villanueva and the head of the LA County Sheriff's TJ. If we're going to have a man on the show, we got to have the man on the show. And
0: and also too, like, look at the man in the uniform. Like you got to respect the uniform. My goodness, Sheriff, you're pulling it off. Well today.
1: I'm just trying to clean up for you guys. Well, you clean up really well. And I show you the, as much respect as I can show you, sir, I support the police, I support the sheriffs, I support everybody. My brother, Brian Buffer, was a, is a retired uh, officer from Redondo Beach PD, Santa Paula PD, SWAT team leader, FTO trainer, the whole bit, and um, retired at, uh, I think in his 23rd or 25th year, he was about 50% disabled and decided to take the retirement. But there were other reasons too, which I'll bring up during our, the course of our show, but very honored to have you on. Um, you are the first incumbent, uh, sheriff in 2018 in the race. Uh, you were the first one to unseat an incumbent sheriff in like a hundred years. That's amazing you know, that the people stood behind you that strong.
2: Yeah, it, it had to happen, but I'll, I'll remind you that being a, a reformer, a progressive in 2018 vintage is not the same as 2020. Some, something happened with the, the, the wine harvest and it is a upside down world right now, as you can probably see.
1: Yeah, totally upside down and, uh, you know, so upside down with things that have happened and in recent cases, you know, the the George Floyd case, all that, the conviction of the officers in that case. Uh, Then I heard through the grapevine that even in your situation there, that the Board of Supervisors are trying to defund you and. and
2: Well, I inherited a budget deficit of one hundred one million dollars when I took office. Wow. For my credit, that wasn't a problem. They just put a little post-it note and receive and file.
0: But hey, don't worry off- about this. You're you're a $100 million short.
2: No no biggie. So when I took office within literally eight months, they were, oh my God, this deficit is out of the control. You can't manage your budget. In fact, uh, let me quote the famous uh, Mark Riley really Thomas, former supervisor at the time. He accused me of committing a crime and he was asking his county council, is that a misdemeanor about the crime of not having your budget balanced? And they were going to charge me for a crime of, yeah, that's, that's how weird it got. That's
1: weird. And then
2: they followed it the next fiscal year, uh, 2019 to 2020, they cut me a 145 million uh, budget deficit. 2021 now, we're going to 21, I'm getting defunded another $143 million, all by the costs of everything are increasing. They took away 1300 uh, staff positions from our department. And now we're facing three large existential threats to the safety of everyone in LA County, and their only answer is let's defund the department even more.
1: Give us those three threats so that people understand. It. First off, defunding means that you're not getting the money you need to operate. Correct?
2: Exactly. Okay. We're st- our structural deficit. This is baked into the formula. It floats around 400 million a year, and that is the rising cost of medical care, right? Retiree health care, uh, workers' compensation claims uh settlements all these things, the things that things are outside of our control and the uh, different consent decrees are running the jails according to federal these are federal consent decrees it's not like we can say ah yeah we're just gonna ignore it right no that'll put you in jail real quick right so we're obligated to do these things yet the county doesn't fund it so this structural deficit keeps growing every year trial court funding we're in the hole about 72 million dollars every single year and they don't address it and that number keeps getting bigger and bigger so they came to this current fiscal year, they took away 145 million, they took away 1,310, I believe, positions, while they had a $2 billion surplus in the budget. Okay, so there's
1: compute. This doesn't compute.
2: No, it does not compute because no. they've ascribed to the defunding law enforcement mantra. And as they're doing it, what well, I'd call it backdoor defunding. They won't tell a public, oh, we're gonna defund the sheriff's department. But you look at, you, you read through all the reports and oh, wow, I got defunded $145 million. And now I'm getting defunded another $143 million in, the, in the budget that's due July 1st. So they are doubling down on stupid while the community suffers violence. Well, well, you want to talk about numbers?
1: Yeah, please. I was going to ask right here.
2: Yeah. Fresh off the press right here.
1: Give us a, these are the crime statistics, right?
2: These are the crime statistics as of yesterday. Okay. Criminal homicide is up 95.24% for the first uh, this part of the year, the first five months of this year
1: in
0: LA County,
2: LA County, under my jurisdiction, 95.24%. Wow. That number is astronomical.
0: That's terrifying.
2: Yes. Yes. And however, not a single word has been uttered by any member of the board of supervisors regarding this crisis. Well, that's
0: what I was just going to say. Like, that's a startling number. That's a headline grabbing number. Why are we hearing about it only from you?
2: And if you go to the year before the pandemic year of 2020, it went up 36 percent, which is a bad day in of itself. Right. But. We got to put it in the context that the rest of the nation has similar increases from 20 to 40%. All the metropolitan areas, and a lot of it was driven by the pandemic and the social disarray. Right. We give them that. But come 2021, a new DA in office and a commitment not to hold crooks accountable for committing crime. Now we've got a homicide rate 95.24%. Uh, forcible rape up 7.82%. Aggravated assault up 12.94%. Grand theft auto up 40%. Arson up 22.40%. These are all huge double-digit increases. In the case of homicide, it doubled the amount, literally. And every one of these is not just a statistic. It's a human life that was either lost or violated, assaulted. And the the sheer, the pace that everything is happening right now is going to a very, very bad end. I worked as a young deputy on the streets three decades ago. I saw what violence was like up close and personal. And these people are acting as if there's no problem at all. We're just going to sing Kumbaya and let's throw money in Measure J and all those feel-good programs while people continue to die. Under violence and under the second existential crisis, homelessness, five dead bodies a day are scraped off the streets of L.A. That comes out to almost 2,000 a year. And then you have... You have the professional hand wringers. I want to talk about. Oh, we have to be humane and compassionate. While we humanely and compassionately let people die face down in the gutter, it's unbelievable.
1: Now those five—I'm sorry, but, those five deaths a day for the homeless. Are they homicides or are they homeless people? Just no, just- homeless people dropping dead from
2: preventable medical conditions that are treatable if they had medical care they're either drugged out, overdosed, or, you know, all kinds of conditions that with treatment, they could survive. Right now, the uh, average life expectancy on uh, for a homeless on Skid Row, 47 years. Wow. That's about uh, more than three decades less than if we go to the wealthy west side of town where all the woke people live. And, uh, you know, they have their cocktail parties and discuss how wonderful they are and how humanitarian they are with their with their
1: proposals, right? And also with the, with the homeless people, the murder rate that's up ninety five percent, ninety six percent. Can any of that be attributed to the amount of homeless that are gathering? I, I live in the west side in Playa del Rey. They just allowed the beach here to be a home to uh, homeless shelters. They allowed a park over here up the street at uh, Lincoln and Manchester where the homeless can gather. And I'm getting pings all day long of like assault, you know, threat with a knife, yep. robbery. So is the do you feel that the homeless situation with the way it is in LA? I think Los Angeles is like the largest capital for homeless in the states if I'm not mistaken or one of them. In is the entire country, pardon me.
2: The entire nation we are the center point of homelessness for for the entire nation. Two primary drivers We have the best weather conditions around and we have the most gullible, supporting, nurturing people that are enabling us to become a magnet for transients from all over the nation. They come here for those free benefits, the chance to get housing that the taxpayer pays for, and uh, they can live their uh, lifestyle out in the open anywhere they want. And that's our failure to regulate public space. Number one sin of city and county government.
1: So... The people that are doing this, obviously, you do not agree with them. What is it within your power to fight this, if anything, the homeless situation?
2: Well, actually, we have a lot that's within my authority. I've been now in office two and a half years. I've been watching very patiently as uh, the city and the county fumbles between uh, shirking responsibility, dodging the bullet and making glorious plan after plan with no hard evidence that anything they do is going to improve the situation because for every person that every 100 people that are housed they're replaced by 120 people on the street until that math changes you cannot build your way out of the homeless problem
1: sheriff excuse me again can you give me that stat one more time please
2: for every 100 people that are housed 120 fill their space on the street wow That's why every year the number goes up 14%, 16%, 20%. It's on pace in the next four years to grow 85% more than it is right now. Picture almost doubling. That's how bad the situation is yet. You don't hear a word from the board of supervisors, from the mayor, from the city council about, hey, maybe we should regulate public space and designate where and how we're gonna treat the homeless humanely effectively and dissuade all the other out-of-towners who are coming here to basically destroy our economy and our way of life
0: you have a lot of numbers sheriff i'm curious if the uh numbers have been looked at as to what the factor of why these people are homeless in the first place do you have any information on you know median age or or what sort of situation these people were in prior to you know ending up here like mental
1: illness right
2: according to the uh they do a homeless count every year. It got interrupted with a pandemic, but I think the year 19 had the best count at, at that point. And they had 66,000 homeless in that count for 2019, that number has gone over 70,000 by now. We know for sure. Mm. 14% according to their count, this is their count. 14% were out of state. Wow. Which means they had five years or less being in LA County and they came out of state. They were homeless out of state. They came here. That number in real in real numbers is over ten thousand. Of our homeless today, are homeless from out of state, enjoying everything we have to offer them. So we have to keep that in mind when it comes to the mental illness and substance abuse. They are about seventy percent of the homeless population. Seventy. However, this is where you're going to be uh, upset. I know you you guys are both outstanding taxpayers. Yes. Uh, I believe. Uh, Catherine Barger spent $400 million for a mental uh, treatment facility up in the high desert for a total of 60 beds.
1: Wait, what, 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 Yeah, 400 million for 60. Yep. 400 million for 60. Whose pocket did that go into?
2: (laughs) Oh my God. That's the number I got. We're verifying it, but that looks like it's a solid number. Remember they canceled our mental health treatment center downtown LA to replace men's central jail. That was going to have 3,885 beds, which would give us a place to put the people are felony charges, incompetent to stand trial for treatment, and also have a capacity to house single-man cells, the most violent people that we have in our jail system. Who are, there's no option to just tear down the place and there were nowhere for them to go. These are people who literally eat other people. Right. We have to keep them, them out of harm's way, keep the rest of the MA population, the staff out of harm's way, single-man cells.
0: Uh, uh, just by, real by quick uh, 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 i'm sorry this number blows me away uh that that number you mentioned for the, yeah. the facility that breaks down to roughly six million six hundred and sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars and sixty seven cents per bed
2: quite a bargain isn't it
1: yeah i just stayed at a very nice place for my weekend for a vacation but it was nothing like that would have been for six million a bed jeez buffer you I just going to be sense. homeless apparently that's that, I, I'm for, I'm blown away by all this, that these stats are blowing me. No, away.
2: The 400 million brace yourself for this. That's chump change. The city of LA goes through about 700 million a year in homeless services. Most of that money goes into salary and employee benefits of city workers.
1: That's kind of like giving a dollar to a charity and five cents makes the charity. It's all exactly. Going the charity. There you
2: go. Every mm-hmm. supervisor. And I, 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 uh, I flow this idea to the supervisors and now they couldn't walk back fast enough. If you're not gonna replace men's central jail with a mental health treatment center, well, you're gonna have to find room for five to 600 bed facilities in each one of your districts. to make up for the difference. Oh, no, no, we don't wanna yeah. do that. Yeah. Heaven forbid that because all the nimbyism and everything else, but wait a minute. We had a site already approved, plans approved, ready to pour concrete. They paid $80 million penalty for canceling the mental health treatment center. And they say they're gonna be community-based alternatives. There is no community-based alternatives. There are none, they will never get one. They're gonna wait till their time in office is done and oh, they'll kick the can to the next guy.
1: So what they're basically doing is shoving everybody over there to stay away from here and approving Mm -hmm. whatever ridiculous amount of money it is to keep it over there so they don't have to deal with it, period. Right,
2: and they just wanna ignore the plight that's unfolding right under their feet. People dropping dead. You have the fires being started by the homeless up in Pacific Palisades, yeah. on the Strand in Venice. And I, I walked it last week. That was an eye-opener. We had a nice conversation with a gentleman. I think his name was LaShawn. Uh, male, white, kid from Maryland. Homeless in Maryland. Goes to Tennessee, December of 2020. He decides, hey, you know what? Tennessee is not the best place in December. Mm-hmm. Let me go to sunny, downtown, uh, sunny L.A. County and on the strand in Venice. So he's there smoking dope uh, about 12 hours of the day and sitting, sitting back on a office chair on the strand eating cookies the other 12 hours of the day. He looks like he's 50 and he's only 22. Wow. His arms have more wrinkles than I am and I'm almost three times his age. Right. That is scary. And That's that scary. is the face of the problem in Venice. We've enabled it. And we refuse to regulate public space. I mean, not we, the city of L.A., LAPD can do the job, but when the mayor and the city council handcuffs the cops, they're left in a very awkward position where the public expects them to defend them, and their hands are tied by the politicians, and all they can do is write tickets, which the transients just crumble up and throw in their face and laugh
1: i've watched the situation get worse and worse because i used to have a a beach home down in uh, the marina peninsula next to venice and i've watched the homeless build down there and build now it's happening on the peninsula you come out of your you know which most of those homes down there are minimum a million two million dollars whatever you walk out and i'm not putting them down by saying there's been saying you walk out and the homeless are all in front and people are actually unable to sell their homes now you know Mm -hmm. in some cases nobody's going to spend a million two million three million or whatever for a home if They don't have the use of their home, you know, and this is what's going on. And now in Playa del Rey, which is next to Marina del Rey, it's slowly the Venice situation is slowly creeping up because they're allowing this. And I don't even know what this is going to be like in three or four years.
0: So so here's my question, guys. I mean, obviously, I think all three of us are of, you know, sound mind. We're we're in a good mental state. So maybe this question doesn't apply necessarily because we talked about the mental health and the substance abuse. But. I, I, like, I want to believe in my heart of hearts that the people that are, you know, making up this this transient number, um, they would be the type of people that would want to improve their situation if opportunity presented itself. Is there opportunities, Sheriff, that are being made available for these people to better their situations or or how how do we fix this rather than manage this?
2: Well, there's a lot of things. There's some uncomfortable conversations we have to have. We can go the 30,000 foot conversation, let's do the 300 foot conversation and and foot on the ground. Let's start with our feet on the ground first. We can manage the situation and improve the conditions here in LA County where we can provide housing for those that are truly gravely disabled, the mentally ill, we can do that on an emergency basis right now. We have the resources to build the shelter space and uh, basically assume control of, of city and county properties that are public public domain already, and uh, get those empty warehouses, let's start filling them up with, uh, with bed space and cots, and let's triage just like on the battlefield. Mm. People that need to care, we can get them off the streets right away. Then there's a crowd that says, well, I don't want to accept any shelters, or I don't want to accept any rules, because I like this fact this guy that I met on Venice, said, I like the, what do you call it? I'm a drifter, I like the nomadic lifestyle. Literally no. said that. And we have it on tape. It was it was pretty choice a conversation. That crowd is a crowd that I'm interested in and uh, telling them, bye. We want to send them on a one-way bus ticket back to where they came from. We'll give them the alternative. In fact, we'll give them the means to go back to where their families, where their support system exists. But it's not in L.A. We should not shoulder the burden of the homeless problem for the entire nation. Right. And this is a federal level. Now let's go up in, in steps a bit. At the county level, at the federal level, it's a regional crisis. We have to treat it and triage it as a regional problem. I have the authority as sheriff to actually, uh, in fact, um, let's pull up the, the three codes. Where's a uh, printout 26600, 601, and 602? This is good information for you and your, your viewers. I know I had a supervisor already ask, hey, what is he doing in Venice there, the sheriff? That's uh, LAPD jurisdiction. And we say, the bear goes everywhere. It's LA County, a simple answer, but we'll give you more specific on that. I like it. And now we're moving up the state level. Governor Newsom uh, wants to defend a recall by just shoveling a ton of money off planes, I guess I know, release them in the sky to float down to the earth for the homeless situation. He lost eleven billion plus, possibly up to thirty billion, on the EDD fraud. That would have paid for an awful lot of of goods and services that get people off their, you know, on their feet and back into some semblance of normalcy, where they can reintegrate in society. We have a homeless outreach service team. We established the five-step county protocol to deal with breaking up encampments. It is a very compassionate, common sense one that has a finality to it. And we said, okay, at this point, we've identified all the bed space, we comply with the Boise agreement, and it's time to leave. And we're gonna assist you in leaving, but they will leave. And then we clean up behind them and restore it to its original state. That is a five-step process we're using. We already started on the 101 freeway in Alvera Street. And it uh, takes a while because we talk to everyone first, get everyone's individual, assess what their needs are, where they're at, in you know, the scheme of things. And some people start realizing the game's up. They start leaving on their own, which is fine. But the ones that can't leave, don't want to leave, and they're just dug in there, uh, those are the ones we end up uh, moving at the end. And it's been doing successfully, but in places that are not visible normally, because they were out in the boonies, and the riverbeds, at the edge of the mountains, the canyons. Places are in the railroad right-of-ways that you don't usually see them. But we've been there so we've been testing this again and again they've done thousands of placements zero uses of force two right. arrests and there were two arrests that they, oh yeah they're they're wanted for murder or something yeah i think we got to arrest them. right that was it so their track record is phenomenal to the point that among the homeless they have the reputation of being the go-to person to defend them to get something done to match a need with a resource mm-hmm. They actually ask the deputies when the social workers show up, you know, the ones with the clipboards that are highly trained, that crowd, the they actually ask the deputy, hey, can I talk to that person? Because that's how well they establish a rapport with the community because they know they're there to help them.
1: Right, right. So is your outlook for the power that you have in your control and the people that are following what you would like to see done, do you have an optimistic outlook for the next year or a pessimistic outlook where this is going to go?
2: I have an optimistic outlook, and we're going to focus on uh, some easy, visible wins early on. Right. So, we're going on the 101 corridor from downtown LA to the Universal Studios, and we're including Olvera Street in that corridor. And I got to take a pause right here and uh, identify a monumental act of galactical stupidity. Okay. <laughs> Olvera Street, it's hard to get parking for Olvera Street. So why on earth would you take an entire parking lot dedicated to Olvera Street and convert it into a homeless shelter? Mm-hmm. I guess, screw the Mertens, screw the tourists, screw the industry and all the mom and pop shops, the little kiosks, everybody who depends on Overa Street uh, to put bread on the table. Right. That became a lower priority than doing a visible show of, oh, look at us, we're doing something good. Look at me uh, move to put that uh, those mobile homes on the former parking lot for Olvera street.
1: It almost seems like you're allowing homelessness to create homelessness with that kind of an attitude.
2: Yes. It breeds its own weather climate. Just like when you have the wildland fires that it creates its own climate. Right. It doesn't in homelessness, it's the exact same scenario. It creates its own climate. And what we're doing is we're normalizing deviancy and dependency on handouts. So more people are attracted to that because now, okay, there's no social stigma of being zombied out, butt naked, covered in feces, wandering around Skid Row. And oh, okay, that's so-and-so, that's it. Yeah, You go into a normal neighborhood, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, there's something wrong here.
1: Right. And then there's another thing I heard, and I know you would like to address this too, you know, with with marijuana being legalized the way it is and regulated the way it is and state by state. I, I'm a true believer that if you make a, that the feds should make a federal law that's good for every state. I just, whether it's gun control or whatever, I think if it was uniform in every state, it'd be controlled much better than like gun control here in California, but you can go over to Arizona or Vegas and buy a gun and drive it back illegally. You know, that kind of thing. I should be every state following. I, I, I gather you feel the same way. So now with the homeless situation, like just downtown and that one mile rate, whatever that is, one mile square, skid row, whatever, how big that's considered, um I hear that there's still illegal pot being sold, even with all the stores and everything. Marijuana mm-hmm. still is a big, big illegal operation here in, in LA. Is that something you're dealing with? I, I you mentioned that's my
2: that's third on my list. On my list of the big three, that is number three. That is illegal marijuana grows and the illegal marijuana dispensaries. They're taking over the high desert and altering the way of life in our own communities now. The same thing with the dispensaries here in the basin area. They're becoming a threat to neighborhoods because they pop up in neighborhoods, commercial districts, everywhere you can think of, they're popping up. In fact, the illegal dispensaries outnumber the legal ones
1: 50 to one. But as a consumer, not meaning I'm consuming it, but I mean, as a a marijuana, for a marijuana consumer, they don't know the difference between a legal shop and a regular shop. Exactly. So if you, if the officers or the LAPD, sheriff's, know the illegal ones you have to go through a lot of procedure to close them down or can you just go right in and close them down we can
2: close them down fairly quickly and efficiently the problem is they pop right back up and their business model for the illegal dispensary is hey as long as i'm in as long as long as my doors are open for two weeks even if i get busted at the end of the two weeks i made so much money in two weeks i'll take the hit i'll close down i'll reopen again in a day or I'll just move a block away somewhere else and start all over again. That's how incentivized it is to cheat the marijuana dispensary laws that we have here on the books in California. Totally. um, They didn't think this thing all the way through.
1: Right. So then if a person gets busted and closed down, they have it on the record, they open up again, they get busted and closed down. They open up Mm -hmm. again, they get busted and closed down. How many times you get busted before you literally should go to jail? you know, or whatever.
2: what uh, we have to start chasing the landowners of property owners. And we start confiscating the property. Then we're playing for keeps. Gotcha. And people don't want to lose real estate. Right. In the meantime, they're, they're more than happy to write off a loss of product. If they at least sold it for, you know, two weeks, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take the loss, but, and then we're destroying the ability of the legal shops to operate.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, they have no, uh, that's, what a cash 22. I mean, it's like it, you do one good on one end and it just, it closes you down on the other. You're, end. you're screwing both ends of the
2: deal. And then to make matters worse, this is the, the pied de resistance on the whole deal. This is how smart Sacramento is. Let's ban them from using uh, ATM cards and banks and all these stuff. Although some of that is tied to the federal government that, that has a, a ban on using uh, bank, the banking system for right. these. So right. the entire operation is cash which means you get robbed, you get murdered. It happens all the time now. And that's part of the rising violence. So actually problem number one and problem number three are starting to become interconnected.
1: So you so these dispensaries, they are experiencing a lot of robberies and, and yes. murders. like you said, there's a lot of focus on them for, to get in there and get that cash.
2: Well, there was a fact it was just in the news. Uh, I want to say a few days ago, there was a, uh, three men and a woman who were found uh, guilty. They kidnapped a dispensary owner, drove him to the high desert, cut off his penis, tortured him and buried him, left him for dead. He survived, I believe. His penis wow. didn't
1: survive. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, they uh, so they were found guilty. I think the the main guy got uh, life without. And uh, then the last one just got sentenced this week. I think it was a getaway driver, was a female. No, she was the one that kind of uh, invited the guy thinking uh, one thing, and uh, she
1: Getting was another. actually
2: the accomplice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Horrendous crime, but symbolic of this cash operation. They thought he had a million dollars buried in the high desert. So they were going to torture him to get, get to that cash.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, believable, but unbelievable. That's just. Yes, exactly. It's so crazy. So, what about the fentanyl issue? This is a big, the overdose, the fentanyl overdose yes. has seemed to become a very serious issue. Did this go hand in hand with homeless and the other things we're discussing or is it just a drug addiction no matter where it's a problem?
2: It's hitting the homeless, it's hitting everywhere. The fentanyl is popping up now. People are, they're manufacturing uh, like OxyContin and other what looks like a prescription medication, but it's laced with fentanyl. Right. So people that are saying, I'm going to cheat and get my mom's medicine cabinet are taking a, a fentanyl-laced uh, pill. They wind up dead the next morning and they're not hardcore drug acts or anything. Someone who is yeah. experimenting, they're dead. So we have a movement. There's a bill in Sacramento SB 500. I want to say it is Uh 500 or 555. And believe it or not, it was blocked by Democrats in Sacramento because we were going to hold people accountable for knowingly selling fentanyl that causes the death of someone, but they don't want to add any, charge in Sacramento that increases the potential of jail time for anybody, no matter how much tragedies. And this is uh, kids are dying with the very first uh, use of an experimental uh, you know drug like this.
1: Is this amongst mostly young people or is it spread out all through all demographics?
2: Mostly young is target yeah. it targeting kids everywhere. It's also impacting remember our defunding? Yes. Fentanyl is now being introduced into the jail system. It's very easy to conceal. They blend it with other things. We find it on postage stamps. It comes in legal correspondence. dipped in it. And with the defunding movement, we lost a lot of our canine narco dogs that could sniff all this stuff. Right. And we lost narcotics detectives that can do a lot of investigations of people trying to introduce drugs into the jail system. So because they're defunding, we're now losing inmates due to overdoses that are preventable inside the jail system. And again, another uh Another uh, ramification from the defunding movement.
1: Yeah, the 6 degrees of separation from the defunding movement are just horrific, you know. And then I think about the other thing, one of the complaints my brother had, which is one of the reasons he retired. And he retired about 20 years ago, but he started to notice that the quality, you know, they were lower, lowering the quality of the officer that can become the candidate, the j- person, man or woman that could become a candidate to be an officer, whether it was as an example and tell me if I'm off, you know, 5 8 high requirements going down to 5 4 or you know, the type of Canada coming in. Now, my brother always raved about, because he trained with the sheriffs in some special training. That he always raved about the LA Sheriff's tra- uh, training, the academy, just the best. But when he noticed well, as a Redondo Beach officer, these people coming in and some of the training he got, he was worried about the future and the quality of officers being out there, which some of the incidents we have around the country, these have been publicized. Do you agree as I, as I feel that Maybe the training is not as good as it should be for these officers. They're not getting the type of training to deal with these situations, with the restrictions that face them and everything else in these situations. Is training a big issue, in your opinion, of officers across the country with, and I say this with all the respect to the sheriffs and their fantastic training program, but looking at how other departments are working, do you see this as an issue?
2: Well, when you're to have defunding of law enforcement, I'm talking across the entire nation,
1: yeah, that's the what very
2: works. first item that goes off in the budget is the training budget. Because to train anybody who, say, a working cop on the street, I got to pull him off the street to send him to a day of training. But someone still has to go do his job. Right. Or a guy a guy working one of the modules in custody, I can't just pull him out. Someone has to stay there. So it takes a lot of money to pull people out of their, their assignment to send them to training and we and i agree with you we have the best best trainers on the planet are working yep. in our department yep. they're dedicated they're motivated they have so much things a lot of them from agra there we have ufc fighters now who are trainers as well we have a ton of people that are training we have a good group of kids coming in when we open up for hiring the line walks out, you know wraps around the building everybody wants to become a deputy sheriff we raise the educational standard now to an associate's degree So we're getting a better educated applicant and we're filling the positions, but the county froze the hiring. When they froze the hiring, they basically uh, collapsed the entire uh, machine that allows us to bring kids in, bring kids from the jails to patrol, patrol to the specialized units, patrol to promotion, the sergeant, lieutenant. It basically freezes all of the movement within the organization and training is one of the major impacts on that process.
1: And what a lot of people don't realize, and I assume it's still in effect, is that the new sheriff coming in has to serve, what is it, two years in the in the jails? In the, is that still the case, where they start off in the jails and they work in the jails? About,
2: it, aver- it averages about two years right now. Wow. It used That's to be a- upwards of seven years. Really? When we had an iron freeze back in the 90s. It went up to seven years. Then it went down to four, and now it's between two and four. But some kids go out in a year or less.
1: Right. What is starting pay for an officer these days coming in?
2: For our department, it's roughly seventy thousand a year, depending on your education level. We
1: that's have good.
2: three different step ones, two, and three. A three is about seventy k, and our benefits package is is hands down real good.
1: Yeah, now, well, my brother loves the fact he has he has health insurance the rest of his life. That's for sure. <laughs>
2: yes. So, um, one thing we haven't allowed the the budget cuts to hurt is we continue to do our training for active shooter. We just did a large scale one recently, I believe it was in the high desert or Los Angeles. Yeah, high desert. So we're right. continuing doing this type of training and it's a collaborative effort. We involve local agencies, the fire department, school districts, for example. And we walk through the whole process and we get people you know, dressed up, role playing, very good training and we need more of it. But now the challenge is in-service training for our deputies in patrol. That's our number one priority.
1: Right. And I can see that too. But then proof and point of what you just said is yesterday the horrific incident that happened in the fire department where the firemen went into his department and uh, was a killed one and wounded another, I think. Yes and then set fire to his home where he killed himself or in the end.
2: Killed himself and burned his home down. And the uh the deputy who uh, or the uh firefighter who was a captain, he um he used to be a deputy sheriff. He lateral over to the fire department.
1: Wow. So what about fire department? Obviously, this is an isolated case, but, it, you know, it can certainly happen again. The fire department during riots has been shot at, you know, or assaulted, mm. whatever. I mean, are they allowed to protect themselves? Do you think an eventuality that there's going to be weapons on fire trucks, you know, with the way life is going in this world? I don't think
2: you'll see weapons on a fire truck. You'll see armed firemen because that's not their role. That's If they're a incredible yeah. threat, we do provide escort to them. In fact, when we do have an active shooter or some hot scene where there's still exchange of gunfire, we stage our fire at a safe distance, a block or two away, where they're close by, where they can roll in. And then once we give them the all clear, then they'll roll, roll in and start triaging the wounded. And we do that unfortunately too often now because it's becoming that frequent. Wow. And um, for example, the case yesterday with the, the guy who burning down his house. It was considered a hot zone. And we uh, repelled one of our SWAT team members off our Air 5 rescue helicopter to the ground. He uh, did a quick visual, ascertained there was one down outside the house by the pool area. It looked like he was suffering from a gunshot wound to the head. And then they walked back and said, we're not going to touch it. We do not know what's in the house. Let it burn down. And that's what they did. And then when it was clear, then they went in and did all the things they had to do for the crime scene.
1: Sheriff, I commend you on everything you have on your plate and all you have to watch over. But with all we discussed, what's the good news? <laughs> what's the good news, Sheriff? <laughs>
2: I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some good news. I know it can be kind of a. Uh, it can be kind of depressing at times, but.
1: That's uh, it's reality. We all have to face reality. It's overwhelming, yeah. is what it is.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm running a three and a half billion dollar enterprise, so to speak, and it's probably the most complex law enforcement agency in the nation because of the, all the different things that we do. We're not, we're not uh, one facet where we just do patrol. We have to do patrol. We have to do custody. We have to do uh, special operations, air support, our detective division. Our detective division, they're probably some of the most senior and experienced investigators in the nation in terms of homicides, frauds. Organized crime, all these things. We have to run the bailiffs and man security for the entire court system, the uh, LA Community College District campus, so We have our presence on nine of the campuses, the uh, Transportation Services Bureau, and we have MetroLink. So we're we're spread out over 600 miles and or 600 miles of track in four different counties, because we also serve as security for MetroLink, and then for the Gold Line with the MTA. So we're we're busy spread all over everywhere. Yeah, and but what this does, it allows us to uh, really um, positively impact the quality of people's lives throughout the county, because we're that last line of defense. Yes, and some good news, because our, uh, our host, our host, our homeless outreach service team, Lieutenant Jeff Diedrich, he's our guy who actually created initiated the five step protocol, and. While we're debating how we're gonna address now shifting over to regulating public space for the entire county, we did it during civil unrest and there was some lessons learned there about, wow, there's limitations on municipal police departments. They can do a wonderful job if they're not handcuffed by the mayor and the city council or their city manager. That is the big if. We don't suffer that limitation, so we can go everywhere. But here's here's three sections of the California government code I want to read them to you, if I may. Please do. Please do. Government Code Section 26600. This is the duties of the sheriff. The sheriff shall preserve peace, and to accomplish this object, may sponsor, supervise or participate in any project of crime prevention, rehabilitation of persons previously convicted of crime, or the suppression of delinquency. That's pretty broad terms, right? Yes, yes. They get better. 26601. the sheriff shall arrest and take before the nearest magistrate for examination all persons who attempt to commit or have committed a public offense. That includes misdemeanor crimes. Gotcha. Now you realize, holy, that's a big, and the third one, it's my favorite one. The sheriff shall prevent and suppress any affrays, breaches of the peace, riots, and insurrections that come to his or her knowledge, and investigate public offenses which have been committed the sheriff may execute all orders of the local health officer issued for the purpose of preventing the spread of any contagious or communicable disease. So that is, uh, Then 2604 was a really nice one, but they got got rid of it. I think it was uh, uh, just in the last few years, the posse comitatus, the sheriff shall command the aid of as many inhabitants of the sheriff's county as he or she thinks necessary in the execution of his or her duties. That one got thrown out.
1: That got thrown out.
2: Yeah, but I'll live with the first three.
1: Which gives you freedom to protect and serve, right?
2: Anywhere in the county.
1: Anywhere in the county, even if you're in an LAPD area?
2: Yep. In fact, during the civil unrest, we went to help LAPD. We were in the Fairfax district. Mm -hmm. We went to Beverly Hills. We assisted them. We went to Santa Monica Mm -hmm. two hours too late because they were not too sure what to do. And by the time they figured it out, the promenade had burned down. Right. We went to Long Beach and I personally was out there with the troops at midnight chasing looters through the alleys. And so we went we, and we realized none of our jurisdictions suffered losses from arson, vandalism, looting or anything in any of our, our jurisdictions. And we had protests in some of them, but none right. of them had the damage because we regulated and we defended public spaces and we did not permit civil unrest or a peaceful protest to transition into uh rioting and looting well
1: kudos a to big you the big difference sheriff kudos to you in your department because i mean the stats prove that you're doing it right you know mm-hmm. you're doing the best that you can do in this situation i noticed that uh, there's campaigns now I'm, I'm out for one of them too but CCWs now are being mm-hmm. where they were possible to get are now potentially able to get if you qualify yes. is that a way of the law enforcement say enlist not enlisting but private citizens maybe because of what we're facing the crime we're facing that we that you feel that now based on qualification such as myself that we should be allowed to carry cc uh, concealed weapons trained properly and licensed properly
2: i'm just you said it best you're trained properly licensed properly all i'm asking for is give me a good cause why you need to have to be armed in public because that's there's a bit of a risk it's it's a and we're rolling the dice on this. So we have to assume that everyone's going to act responsibly. Mm-hmm. So all we ask is give me that good cause, a good definition of it. Gotcha. And your in your particular case and under McDonald, my predecessor in four years, he did 194 CCW permits. As of right now, I'm sitting on 904 that have already been issued and I have 360 that are in the, uh, in the, the QE. Gotcha. Or in the hopper, ready to come out. So we're gonna we're gonna pass the thousand mark. My goal was to increase it by four hundred percent. I think I went way past my goal. And we're not lowering any standard. But we're actually making it realistic and achievable, because right now we have less cops, more crooks, less consequences for violent crime. Yes, it's a calculated decision on my part that I want to arm as many responsible people as I can, just to improve public safety.
0: The 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 conceal and carry uh, permit, is that for the county only or is that for the state?
2: This is for my county. Okay, my jurisdiction ends at the county. However, it is good for you can use it throughout the state. Right. That's what I was was curious. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a
0: resident of the county.
1: Okay, Resident of the county, but you can't go out of state like I can't go there.
0: Vegas. Well, it, right. maybe it depends. Yeah. There, there are some states like yeah. where I'm from, Minnesota, if you have it in Minnesota, you can carry it in other states in the, like the Midwest that recognize Yeah,
2: it. there are some states that will honor other states, CCWs. There's some states, as long as you can fog a mirror, you get a CCW, so mm. it's, it doesn't matter.
1: Well, you know, I know we're reaching our limit of time here, uh, Sheriff, but I got to tell you, this has been a fascinating uh, show talking to you i could talk to you for another couple hours with everything we're discussing but i want to truly commend you and your department um on the excellent service that you give and protecting and serving uh, serving us as police officers to us citizens uh you've blown my mind with some of these statistics you freaked me out with a couple others hey i just want my six million dollar bed i don't i don't no, know about I you don't know guys that, but i mean You made me feel good on the fact that, you know, there are people have to understand the quality of the officer in the sheriff's department. They have to understand the quality of the officer that we have protecting and serving us here in LA County and be very thankful for it. And I'm going to say it as I say it every single show, almost support your local police, support your deputies. Okay. We all hear these stories out there. You can put 10 men in a room. There's always going to be a couple of bad ones. Okay. Or one bad one. That's just the way life is. But Let me just say $70,000 a year
0: buff is a lot of money. Not
1: enough for me to have to do that gig. No, it's uh, a lot of money but compared to even five, 10 years ago. I think officers were starting in like 40 or 50 and now 100% six figures. And I I wish they all made a quarter million walking Uh, out there. I just like, I wish a fighter made a million every time he walked in to put his life on the line, no matter how you cut it. Sheriff Villanueva, his deputies, they put their lives on the line every day they put on that uniform.
0: You're going to be hard pressed to find someone to bitch about, how much money someone is making to protect you. You know what I mean? At
1: least in my mind. Like, if, if my safety is up for grabs, I want my guys to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want them to be insensitized every morning they wake up to put on that uniform and do the amazingly difficult job that the men and women of the Sheriff's Department have to go out and do. The bear goes I everywhere. I love that saying, by the way.
2: I remember when I was a young uh, airman in the active duty military, I was in the Air Force. And uh, Air Force, they're a stickler for attention to detail and following instructions. And they take care of the airmen. They have the best housing, the best food. Everything is available to them to the point that the Marines and the Army, they whine about, man, we want to go to the air base to get treated right. right. And that's ongoing for It's always a running joke. Everybody talks you know, smack about the Air Force, except the fact when you're active duty, you wish you're in the Air Force because you get treated well. And the question is why? Because I was explained, if you're fixing a billion-dollar aircraft that people are sitting in, they depend on you to not be blurry-eyed and putting the wrong, the wrong screw in the wrong hole, yeah. and ha- cause that plane to crash. You want them rested, comfortable, and ready to do their job at, at 24 hours a day. So I said, okay, you know that makes an awful lot of sense.
1: Uh, I don't think you can argue that point one bit. I think it makes a lot of sense as long as you're not spending sixty-six million or six million on a bed. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly Exactly. sure it's been a true pleasure to have you on the show today a true pleasure to meet you um yes. virtually as they say <laughs> but you mm-hmm. have my support 150 percent and um, anything i can ever do to do a mo- motivational video or anything or an appearance for the sheriff's department please know that i'm there to help serve and and help do whatever i can do to support you in any way i can
2: oh i definitely appreciate that thank you
1: absolutely um is there anything you'd like to tell us before we sign off or?
2: Actually, on behalf of all the men and women of, uh, of our department, we want to thank you for, for your support for law enforcement,
1: thank for you.
2: all your, your viewers. And uh, know it that uh, now that we have body worn cameras, we get to capture all the good and the bad things that happen. Yes. And that priceless video of that deputy in San Dimas getting verbally accosted by that lady in that car, that yeah. he was a killer, a murderer, this and that, is professionalism. He did not skip a beat. Right. That's symbolic. Of the dedication and professionalism of every single person who wears tan and green in this department
1: fantastic fantastic and thank you so much that's all i can say definitely and tremendous respect sir tremendous respect for all are you guys?
2: well thank you guys
1: thank you so much take care sir and stay safe okay
0: we'll do you too i look Thanks, forward sir. to meeting you in person yes yeah, so i do too when are you when are you getting that ccw buff
1: um well, I don't want to make anything too public, but uh, I think it's something that needs to be applied for it. Let's put it that way.
0: I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about that subject over the years, and I'm pretty confident that we've kept the same tone throughout our gun control and gun safety discussion. It just needs to be sensible. It just needs to be based in logic, and the execution needs to be uh, something that uh, is not you know, driven by an agenda on either side of the aisle. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm from a state where uh, you need to do a little bit more than fog a mirror to get your CCW, but uh, you do uh, get it relatively easy compared to other states. And uh, I mean, if you feel like you need to have a a weapon on you for protection um, and and you're able to meet the the minimum standards for that, it's well within your right. I I think it's something that certain people should uh, do for me. Not so much. I mean, I can't find my phone. I don't want to worry about like where I keep my revolver. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, for, for others, it's definitely
1: something that uh, needs to be explored. Well, I think that uh, deputy, excuse me, uh, Sheriff Villanueva put it perfectly is that, you know, if you qualify and you have good reasoning and you go through the training, then you have a right to have it. And right. I, I think Did, that that's the answer. More- the answer of why do you need one? Just because that doesn't fly. No, that doesn't fly. You know, I mean, my reasoning uh, for ever wanting a CCW is my own reasoning. I'm not going to make public, but it's very good, solid reasoning. Oh, we've talked about it off the air. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I would be a good person to have it if I ever got it. But, uh, he but you're also quick... you're also someone that's not foreign to those things as well. You're like, I've a been, gun a, guy. I've been around know, weapons right. my whole life. Yeah, I've right. had, I have got a lot of training and you have to get more training even to get a CCW. But here's the thing, the way they do it here in L.A. County, the way that Sheriff is doing it makes complete sense to me versus the open carry issue or the open carry laws in like the state of texas where you right those that have no training no background you don't and know that's lunacy them. buff that's not sensible i mean there's some law i forget the name of the law where you can actually face off and draw your gun i i forget it's some i don't want I mean, it sounds like a stuff. duel you know what i mean like it sounds like yeah. it's the 1800s the bottom line is just like an officer being trained properly to carry a gun and act properly. If you have a CCW or concealed weapons permit, you should have the training and have the reasoning to have it. And Dang. the background check, just like a background check to buy a gun, right? background check to get a CCW should be even more so.
0: Right. I mean, you and I have been very uh, vocal about the uh, checks and balances that need to be uh, in play just to, to buy a, a firearm, let alone carry one. But he, here's my thing. My father had a, a conceal and carry permit and, uh, you know, he, he told me about the class that he took and, and he said, uh, upon taking the class and, and being issued the, the permit, the worst thing that he could imagine is ever having to pull it because they say day one in that class, if you have to rely on pulling your weapon, you're going to court like bare minimum, you're going to court, God forbid, you have to use it. And then your whole life is going to be maybe even worse. But the bottom line is you're going to be alive. At least that's the theory that's the hope uh in in carrying something like that but the class, um it's
1: a, the it's classic tough. line the classic line is i'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six i mean that's a hell of a line it's one of brian's favorites than favorite one to say but it's a reality yeah anyway getting off that um because that's a reality we face in everyday life these days no matter where we live but this is very interesting. The statistics he gave, I mean, the 96% increase in homicide alone. I mean, that's startling. That's startling. Completely startling. Um, it's 78, June. 78% in rape. That's I mean, terrific. these are things
0: that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I come down on, on different sides of, of, you know, how you combat these things. Um, the bottom line is the, whatever we're doing
1: right now is not working because that's a huge increase. But I, will, um, I will say that Sheriff Villanueva versus other people from governor status, you name it, he's got a great attitude and, and, I, and I believe and, and appreciate the way he's approaching this. It's, it's having the conversation,
0: right? Like yeah. he's talking about it. Like I, yeah. I feel a lot of these situations we sort of like pander to, you know, the sensitivities of, of everyone without actually getting to the real issue. I, I don't mind if you disagree with me. But I do want to hear your side and, and a lot of people, I don't think really, um, get their, their point of view across because they're afraid at times, especially, you know, the sheriff's an elected official. They're afraid at times to alienate people or, or be uh, misunderstood or misinterpreted. And that can be career suicide. But the, the sheriff, I mean, he he's says it in real hard facts.
1: Listen, he's not the head sheriff of Villa County for nothing. And as a voter in L.A. County, if you're listening to the show and you're realizing the incumbent sheriff he took over from in 2018, what he's doing to make our city a better city, then you better vote for him when it comes up for reelection and keep this man in office, because this is the kind of person that we need, not only the way he follows his job. But how he keeps the entire sheriff's department being the elite of the elite police department that they are, along well, with I, LAPD. I
0: know. think I think that is, uh, you know, something that is sort of great and amazing about uh, an elected official like the sheriff is, you know, those numbers are going to be there uh, regardless of whether or not they benefit or speak you know, ill of, of his job. So when it comes to polling times, you can look at those same numbers that he said, and you can go, okay, why are these numbers this way? Does it, you know, have anything to do with how we've been led? And then you can make the change. There are, I mean, you said it, there haven't been a lot of changes uh, as far as new uh, sheriffs coming in and, and defeating old ones. So, uh, you know, people wanted to change. We'll see if that change, uh, you know, happens here and, and how long uh, Sheriff Villanueva
1: is, is in power. Well, he's in office. He's fighting for change. He's fighting for uh, the best thing that the, the best results of what he's fighting for to right. be hopefully right. The I result mean, you're, you're getting what you voted or you for. Can right be now. Like, well, you can be like somebody else that people voted for who resigns from city council because they do nothing or whatever has happened, like Tito Ortiz. <laughs> I wonder if we resigned. were going to get there. I know. I wondered if we Got were going to get there. I mean, Tito yeah. Ortiz. I'm I'm sorry, Tito, buddy. I've known you for a long time, but well. There's something different about an elected official who won't follow policy, and then through whatever reasoning—I haven't followed it exactly—but I haven't read a lot of positive things about his service as city council. And now here's he the resigns. issue, Bruce:
0: I-, I literally don't know what his beliefs are really on much of anything, or what he wanted to do to address issue. I mean, granted, I'm not all. Uh, hip to Huntington Beach's issues. But I I will say everything that we ever heard about Tito in that position was him saying something that made him look, you know, a a bit foolish or trying to get unemployment benefits. And and he seemed to take umbrage with with people, quote unquote, leaking uh, things about him and and character assassination. Um, I, I don't care if you're the best politician in the world people are going to try to tear you down that that's that business unfortunately
1: they love you on the way up and they can't wait to tear you down once you're in office and and during all the publicity or the pr or the news stories on tito and again with all respect to tito i'm not trying to say anything bad i'm just saying what i read all i heard was i don't wear a mask right and uh i don't wear a mask right and you shouldn't buy hamburgers from this place because they wouldn't serve me because i didn't wear a mask right by the way he doesn't wear a mask I know that, and uh, <laughs> I got that now.
0: I and mean, here, here's my thing, Bruce. Like, like uh, again, I don't know really what his politics are or what he did because to enact change. Public-
1: I never saw any publicity right. about his politics.
0: But, but here, here's. I mean, I I knew he he leaned right. You know, he was conservative. Uh, obviously, ties with Donald Trump. Um, but my issue with this is, you want to enact change, you want to be a leader. It's not an easy job, and and Tito is not someone who is. Uh, new to difficult situations in their lives, you know he's gone right. through a lot.
1: A lot. Um, yeah, of course he has. Why quit? That's what I don't understand. That's why my quit? Point. That's my point. Tito has always achieved greatness in many areas that he's gotten into. Right, and he finishes those. He, he finished what he started. So the opposition or whatever must have been so extreme or maybe he just couldn't handle it anymore he wasn't comfortable and he, he resigned. He whatever said, his reasoning is his reasoning, I was just very surprised that I read this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He said something along the lines of like the safety of his children
0: w- were at risk, which I, I don't know what safety that means. His children, his children? Yes, and, and and I don't know what that had, means, and what and that entails. Right, he it's possible. Threats, yeah. But I, I mean the idea of – walking away from city council like i mean maybe there's some maniac after him like i don't know like that that sounds scary but i very
1: they're very well could be but if you walk away from city council i think you just walked away from whatever political aspirations you had in your oh career. this is it
0: yeah yes. there's no way he you know parlays this into something else you can't resign office you know no offense but at that low of a level and in, in city office and, yeah, and, and try to spin it forward else.
1: no here's a couple of quick stories um again tito all respect i hope everything's cool uh jake paul's gonna fight um tyron woodley
0: i talked about talking. this a couple weeks ago remember well, this is the suggestion i done. had yeah I, I i'm
1: floored that it's happening um i, I think Tyron's that shows gonna lo- make more cash than he ever made he said right. in one fight
0: yeah, yeah i think that shows a lot of confidence in jake paul because i mean tyron woodley is is a striker i mean when you compare tyron to ben Askren, i mean we're talking you know worlds yeah, world of, of difference, difference. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, Tyron has had a, a bit of an issue in his last few fights in, in pulling the trigger. Um, he's going to definitely have to, you know, be aggressive and take the initiative uh, in a boxing match. I, I talked to him, uh, a week and a half ago. He said he'd come on the show. Uh,
1: this is before this was announced. Oh, no, so we're going to have, we're going to have him on the show, yeah. but in respect to what you said, the triggers he has to pull now is only two, not over 40. OK, there's only two. I understand that, Bruce. They I understand that.
0: But so, but I mean, boxing, in a sense, is simpler, but also much more complex at the oh, same it's time, Much
1: more complex. It's a very difficult art to learn. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really science, when it's really right? what it takes to be a good boxer. They're intricate. That's why they call it the sweet science. Right. That's why it's called the sweet right. science.
0: But I will say uh, all of that intricacy aside, if Tyron Woodley lands clean on the chin of Jake Paul. We're talking about something completely different.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens, you know? So
0: Paul's going to be a lot taller though, right? He should have the reach on Tyron.
1: He's like six feet tall, six, one.
0: Yeah. Um, Tyron's five, eight, five, nine at best. Yeah. I I know Tyron has a a bit longer of a reach than his height uh, sort of suggests, but uh, I mean, that's, that's going to be something that I I, I think we're going to actually see a competitive
1: match here. Tyron actually opened up as the favorite. Tyron did. Yeah. Minus 120, I believe. Minus 120. Yeah, I I did see that. That's right. Well, you know, look, we'll find out when uh, Logan Paul fights the great Floyd Mayweather, the great boxer Floyd Mayweather. We'll find out what reasons should be lighting him up. I mean, we'll find out what because, I mean, Floyd's a better boxer, the shorter boxer, a better boxer,
0: like Floyd's a better boxer. Floyd's a better boxer. If you if you really want to spend your money, you can give it to me and I'll tell you Floyd's a better boxer. I can't tell you that Floyd won't carry him. I can't tell you that it won't be competitive, but Floyd's a better boxer. So you heard it here first. Floyd's a better boxer. We'll
1: like, I don't out. know what more to say. Again, there's no get... finding out Bruce. He, he's the better boxer, he's the better Bob, but we'll find out who wins the match. That's what I'm saying. That's if, not if that...
0: Floyd Mayweather loses to Logan Paul. He, uh, he either
1: slipped on a banana peel. Or he slipped on a banana peel. Like, or I don't know. Or no, he, he got old that that one night that old fighters get old, you know. Old I, Floyd
0: Mayweather still should beat
1: Logan Paul. We will see.
0: No, we'll see. no, we shall see. Like in a, a geriatric Floyd Mayweather, should beat a prime Logan in Paul. Boxing, in boxing, on
1: paper, you're absolutely correct. The only thing that could happen here that I can see is if he just gets that one shot, you know, that one shot in. But we'll see. Like I said, I I'm not going to predetermine anything. On Man. paper, it's Floyd Mayweather. What is the odds on that? 900 to one or something there shouldn't be odds there are there shouldn't be there are there are odds i was like 10 to one or something when i first looked at it i
0: mean again i I made 700 bucks on you know roy jones and mike tyson so like i know about the odds but i still don't think there should be odds
1: um, that's why I don't bet fights because I hate the fact you bet on the favorite to win ten dollars when you bet a hundred in certain cases. Well but I mean we'll see.
0: I bet the draw with Tyson and Jones because I didn't even know they could have a winner.
1: I thought it was a draw only, you know, we were, an exhibition. So, but- we were so brilliant to do that. But you know, the over under is always a good bet. I mean, again, to each his own, if you're into betting, take a look at it. But the odds are there if you think you can get a good oh, your d- take the over. Floyd will carry into the over. I promise you that. I well. Find out which way Floyd bet and go bet with Floyd. (laughs) Bet whatever Floyd bet, make that bet and put a bunch of money on it because he knows what he's doing. Hey, the Wayne Gretzky 1979 rookie card sold for three point seven five million dollars.
0: These numbers are just insane to me, Bruce. Every week that goes by, you start throwing out bigger and bigger numbers for, uh, you know, pieces of cardboard, and I'm just like, damn, it's
1: just amazing. It's just amazing.
0: I've I've decided. So I don't. I'm sure you're aware of this. Episode 500 is coming up. Yes. And um, we're trying to put together some things. We'll keep people abreast on that. But uh, what I want to do is get together with you, maybe Brian, if he's free, and open up my footlocker of cards from yeah. the 70s, 80s, 90s. And uh, yeah, That
1: would actually be a fun show. Go with through that it. Together, we'll do that. i get Brian on the show.
0: It'll be something. I mean, we'll have to just kind of be rolling all night because it's going to take a while to go through it. But I figure, you know, we get some
1: dinner, oh, some uh, drinks. Oh, you're and, you know... talking about in person.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Okay, yeah. Can let me know. I, mean, I, I, get, know I, get, I get my second COVID shot right after this show. Okay. Let's work something out. I'll even uh, give you some advice how to not bring so many cars, tell you which ones to bring that could be. The no,
0: board. no, no. That's the, the surprise, Bruce. I don't want to open this thing until we get it to your house. It's cars, a footlocker. Yeah. I don't oh. know. It's a gigantic footlocker. It's heavy. It's like
1: 95 pounds. Wow. That's going to take some doing. All right. right. But it'll be fun. Maybe that's the one time you'll finally come over to the I've been to <laughs> your house before. It's not the new one. Not the new one.
0: No, that's what I said. I've been to your house before. It's not the new <laughs> one.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, baby steps. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, it's definitely baby steps. All right. Uh, TJ, anything you want to tell the audience time to sign off?
0: Um, Oh, this weekend, I'll be down in Cancun for combat jiu-jitsu. Uh, you can watch it live on UFC Fight Pass. It is uh, all about the welterweights. Uh, Eddie Bravo and Victor Davila, it's their new uh, take on on combat grappling uh, jiu-jitsu on the floor, similar to EBI rules, but uh, open-hand palm strikes. So uh, check it out.
1: I believe it is Sunday at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hey, open-hand jujitsu, jitsu combat jujitsu, Eddie Bravo's combat jujitsu. I'm telling you, that's exciting jits. It's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. It really is. Uh, There's a UFC this weekend, Rosenstrike versus Sakai um, at the Vegas uh, Apex, the UFC Apex. I will not be announcing. Good card, though. Uh, You got Walt Harris on the card against Marcin Tabura. Very, very cool. Um, Tom Breeze is back against Antonio Arroyo. Montana De La Rosa against Ariane Lipsky. That's a good fight. Very yeah,
0: good. it's a fun fight card. It's one yeah. that, uh, you know, it's not a pay-per-view. And yep. uh, it shouldn't be a pay-per-view because it's not uh, of that caliber. But it's, uh, it's a fight card that definitely uh, commands your attention and time. And uh, if you sit down in front of the television on Saturday night, I think you'll be uh, pleased with
1: what you see. I think so, too. But, you know, the pay-per-view of all pay-per-views is June 12th. Can't wait. Oh, my goodness. Going to be a big one. All right, everybody. Uh I will be back next week. We will be back next week with another guest right before the big show. Also on millions.co, my new site, millions.co. I am doing an ask me anything uh on June the 9th, uh before the big um event pay-per-view on June twelfth, all about UFC 263. So check me out at millions.co, sign up, and let's have a little one-on-one action. And you can ask me anything you want. We'll talk about the fights and we'll share a little uh ufc uh, time together i'm looking forward to that it's one of the cool things at millions.co and my shirts man i'm getting pings people love those shirts uh the new shirts that i have at millions.co
0: yeah so. we saw it on uh, the show with sam i think you uh put yeah the yeah up it the train. Really
1: look good. Look good look good all right everybody take care enjoy yourselves make sure you pick up your bottle of puncher's chance through drip C drizzly, drizzly, drizzly. Think it like com. it's
0: raining a little bit, it's a little bit drizzly outside. Drizzly,
1: if it's not at your local store, just go to drizzly.com. They're delivering directly to 45 states in the United States. If you're in California, go to sipwhiskey.com and get your bottle of puncher's chance to enjoy your UFC shows. Just, the next, just two go weeks. to the liquor store, it's everywhere. Yeah. Just go and tell them you want them to bring it in. If it's not there, it is pretty much everywhere. It is it's all good. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate that. No, no worries. worries. All right, everybody, set your goals, write them down. Before I let me before I say that, when you're listening to the show, listen to everything Sheriff Villanueva said, taking a note where we are in this state and in this country right now. It's not pretty. That's all I can say. And it takes people like Sheriff Villanueva to get us back on the right track again, which from everything he said, and I agree with everything he said, he's on target. And I think you do, too, TJ.
0: I mean, the, these are things that are above my pay grade. Uh, I, I don't know how to too, come down friend. on a lot of that stuff, but uh, obviously the sheriff is, is passionate about what he believes, uh, you know, needs to be done to fix things. And uh, he's the elected official. So I will defer to him on all those
1: matters. I will too. And I will be voting for him when that time comes again. All right, everybody set your goals, write them down, step out on that path. And when you do be the best you can be, because that means you're winning. And that's what we're all about on It's time. Radio is winning and enjoying life. So big cheers, no fears. Have a good week, everybody. We'll be back next week. Buffer out.